Thank you, Jesus. Well, we have been teaching on the subject of faith more specifically. We have been teaching on the uh, subject of the process of faith. And so this uh, particular series is about the process of faith. And we have looked at a theme scripture uh, and this phrase a number of times throughout this uh, series. It is found in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. End of your faith being that you actually have the thing that you've prayed for or you have desired from God. We have utilized the scripture, used the scripture, uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 24. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall, what, have them. Having them is the end of your faith. We've talked about how to get to the end of your faith and how important and vital it is that you maintain your focus of faith. Your focus of faith, we use the scripture, 2 Corinthians, one of them was 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. So our focus is on the things that are not seen. We're looking at things that are not seen for the things that are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. We have uh, determined that the things that we are to look at is we're looking to God. Uh, we're looking to the promises of God. We're looking to the Word of God because God's promises are sure, and all the promises of God in Him or in Christ are yes and amen. So by looking at the promises of God, looking to God, looking unto Jesus, the author, and the what? Finisher of our faith or the end of our faith. So the finisher of our faith, we're looking to Him. We're looking to Jesus. And uh, through looking to Jesus, we're able to endure in the testing time between the time we pray and the time we see the manifestation or the answer to our prayer. And so... Moses was able to endure as seeing him who was invisible because he was looking to God. He was able to endure in the pressure time, in the pressure moments, in the pressure season. And so uh, we are able to endure because we keep our focus on Jesus, keep our focus on God, keep our focus on the promises of God. And God's promises are guaranteed. Jesus is our surety. He is a guarantee of the promises of God, and he is a guarantee of uh, this new covenant that we have based upon better promises, all right? So then the promises of God are good, and God is not a man that he should lie. He will perform his word in our life. So we're going to look at or review a scripture in Hebrews 10 now, in Hebrews 10, and we're going to look at verse 35. It says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. So God doesn't always pay on the 1st and the 15th, but his payday always comes. Amen. And so he said that your confidence has great recompense of a reward. Uh, so that's just another way of uh, saying your faith. 
has great recompense of reward. This is a confidence. First John says it this way. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know that if he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. We have. That's the end of your faith. We have the petitions, petitions that we have desired of him. This is our confidence. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and that we have the things that we have desired of him. So uh, confidence is another way of saying your faith. Okay, so then he said, don't cast away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. There is a payday for your faith, a payday for your, uh, your confidence in believing and trusting God. So then he says in verse 36, for you have need of patience that after you have, after you have done the will of God... You might receive the promise or the fulfillment of the promise. You have need of patience or steadfast endurance or patience. Steadfast patience and endurance. So then uh, when it comes to patience, most of the time, it's really talking about your endurance. So we're talking about endurance and staying with it till we reach the end of our faith. And in order to do that, you cannot afford to cast away or throw off your confidence, but hold your confidence in your heart. Praise God. Now then, we, of course, talked about how another way that you can uh, maintain your confidence or you maintain your sight or your focus of faith or you're able to endure is by your confession. So we looked at 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13. We have in the same spirit of faith. We believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So then believing and speaking is necessary or it is essential for you to reach the end of your faith. We looked at Mark eleven twenty three. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have what? He shall have whatsoever he saith. If he believes it in his heart or she believes it in her heart and says it with their mouth, you shall have. So you get to the end of your faith, which is having. All right. So then in this uh, particular verse, it says, Through faith and patience we inherit the promises. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. It says in verse 1, Hebrews 3, verse 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Holy brethren, that would be you, that would be me, that's us. We are children of God. We are uh, holy in Christ. We are righteous in Christ. And he says, holy brethren... Partakers of a heavenly calling. I'm going to give you a scripture for the holy brethren because uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 says, Put on the new man, which after God or in the likeness of God is created how? In righteousness and true holiness. So your righteousness is in Christ, your holiness is in Him, and uh, you can live out this righteousness or you can bear the fruit of righteousness, and you can live out this holiness, or this holy life can be expressed in your lifestyle. Amen. All right, so he says, Wherefore, brethren, holy brethren, 
partakers of a heavenly calling. In other words, God has a calling. There's a calling on this earth uh, that the world calls your flesh and calls out to your soul, calls out to your mind. But the Holy Spirit calls out to your spirit and beckons your spirit. And there's a heavenly calling. There's a high calling. There's a high calling to follow Jesus, a high calling to serve the Lord and to do the will of God in your life. And so in this verse, he says that you have a heavenly calling. He said, consider the high priest of our profession. The high priest of our profession, Jesus, has already been crucified. Jesus has shed his blood. Jesus has suffered. Jesus has died. Jesus has also, though, been raised. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And in that position, he is your high priest. And he stands for you in your stead or in your place. He's your high priest. He pleads your case. He stands for you. He took his blood into the heavenly holy of holies, and he presented it on the mercy seat of heaven. And so the mercy of God is available to you and me because of what Jesus did in his crucifixion, his death, his shedding of his blood. And he took that blood into the heavenly holy of holies in the mercy seat of heaven. And so now you can come to the presence of God and know that you are accepted in Christ Jesus. Amen? And you can have confidence in the presence of God. Well, he says, consider him. Consider Jesus, who is our high priest. And not just our high priest, but the high priest of our profession. In other words, he use, uses your confession. The word confession or profession, uh, pretty much the same thing. And sometimes it's... Uh, translated profession and could be confession. And so in this case, it basically means to say the same thing. So you are saying the same thing that God says about Jesus and about yourself, right? So he says, consider Jesus, the high priest of your profession. When you're considering him, you then agree with him. Now, God uh, agrees with himself. He said he couldn't find anybody to swear by, so he swore by himself. In other words, he honors his own word. He backs his own word. And so if he said it, he's not a man that he should lie. He'll also do it. So you have something that you can rely upon, you can rest in, you can let your weight down on. You can know with confidence and assurance that God's word is true. He's a surety. He is a guarantee. Jesus is a guarantee of this better covenant established upon better promises. So when you go to the word of God, you know this is absolute. This is guaranteed. This is something I can uh, know is going to be constant. I know is going to be consistent. I know God is not going to change his mind. It's an unalterable word. It's an unchanging word. And God cannot change. Neither can he change his word because he cannot lie. And he said it. So he's the one that backs it and guarantees it. Praise God. It is true. Amen? So we can rest in this promise of God or the promises of God, and we can look to God and look to Him in faith and confidence. And when you consider Him, you have to consider redemption. 
You have to consider the blood of Jesus. You have to consider the cross. You have to consider what Jesus has done in his redemptive work on the cross and through his death and through his burial and now through his resurrection. And after his resurrection, his ascension into the presence of God the Father and his placing his blood on the mercy seat of heaven which guarantees that there is acceptance with God. There's freedom from sin. There's redemption and remission of sin, of sin through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's amazing grace, isn't it? So when you consider Jesus and you consider everything that he accomplished in his redemptive work, which all of the promises of God are the result of what he has done. Because all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. In other words, in and through Jesus Christ, he is the fulfillment of all the promises of God. And what he did made all the promises of God good to you and to me. So we can look to the promises of God just like God has said them and Jesus has guaranteed them. And, and the answer to God's promise is yes. In other words, you don't have to go to the promise of God and say, well, uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes maybe so, sometimes maybe later. No, the promises of God are sure. It's not she loves me, she loves me not, she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me today. She, lo she doesn't love me tomorrow. No, it's every day God is constant. He loves you all the time, doesn't he? And so it's an absolute word, absolute promise of God, and you can have assurance in your heart that this word is true. When you consider Jesus, you know what he did, and it is done. It is finished. It is a work of redemption. Praise God. So let's go now to Hebrews 10 again. And we'll look to verse 16. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 16. So then he needs your confession or your agreement with him. If Jesus is your high priest, he needs you to agree with him. Now the blood of Jesus speaks better things than that of Abel. The blood of Jesus is still speaking from heaven. It speaks from the mercy seat. And Jesus himself is speaking for you. And if you agree with him, he can use your words. Because he's a high priest of our profession or confession. Or he is a high priest of our saying the same thing he says. Agreeing with him. Your agreement with God enables God to fulfill his promise in your life. I mean, we can start it from salvation point. You had to agree with God, first of all, that you were a sinner, right? You had to agree with God that he has redeemed you from sin in order to get saved. And with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So to get to the end of your faith, in other words, to get to the answer in your life, you need to have a profession of faith or a confession of faith in order for you to get saved or have that salvation promise fulfilled in your life. You had to believe in your heart and say it with your mouth in order to be saved. Well, here we are in Hebrews 10 in verse 16. It says, 
And this covenant, this is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws where? In their hearts. Put the word in their hearts. And in their minds will I write them. So we need to get the word written in our heart and in our minds. The psalmist said, make my tongue as a pen of a ready writer. As a pastor, as a teacher of the word, I trust God to give my, make my tongue as a pen of a ready writer. In other words, when I'm speaking that the word of God is written in your heart and in your mind, inscribed in your heart and in your mind, because that is where your faith comes from. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when you hear the Word, that Word gets in your heart. It's written in your heart and in your mind, and you become convinced that God's Word is true. Hallelujah. So God says, I'll write them in their heart and in their minds, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. How many are glad to hear that? Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So God not only forgave you, he forgot about it. He cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. In other words, he doesn't go fishing daily. Like some people, they go fishing for your sins. Bring them up again. Let's bring them up again. Let's bring them up again. Let's bring them up again. Nope, God doesn't bring them up. The devil brings them up. People bring them up. And sometimes you may even bring up your own sin. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. How many can say the same thing that Jesus said? That he has forgotten your sins. He will not remember your iniquities. He's not holding anything against you. That we consider Jesus. And when we consider Jesus, then we consider our sins forgiven and forgotten. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, I know some of you, you get mad at your family member, and you want to tell them what they did. And you want to tell them what they did a thousand times. You always do that. Well, let me urge you, don't do that. Let me encourage you. You say, the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. The blood for you and the blood for them. Amen. Thank God for the blood for her and the blood for him. Amen. And the blood for your kids and the blood for your children. Thank God for the redemption by the blood in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So when you consider Jesus, glory to God. Now, right in the middle of your circumstances. Now, consider Job. Job said, in the middle of all of his trouble, and when his friends were not with him and not encouraging him and, and thinking he's done something really bad, really bad wrong. You know, just because something bad happens doesn't may, mean always that you did something really bad wrong. So, <laughs> when his friends were saying, he must have did something really bad wrong, and, and, and in the middle of it, he said, my, I know my Redeemer lives. He, he chose to agree with God. He chose to agree with God when everything looked like it was against him. Everything looked like it was going wrong. Everything looked like it was impossible for him to get through and even live through it. But, he said, I know my Redeemer lives. Not just my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. Praise God. I know in whom I have believed. So he was persuaded. 
And so we have to be persuaded. Right in the middle of our trouble, right in the middle of our storm, right in the middle of our test, right in the middle of everything seemingly going wrong, and, and some people not even agreeing with God in your case. But thank God we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and his blood speaks better things than that of Abel, so his blood is speaking for you, even when somebody might be speaking against you. Thank God. And, and you don't want to be speaking against yourself. If you have sinned, thank God you can repent and get it right and be forgiven and be cleansed and be washed in the blood of Jesus. And the only way you can do that with confidence is know that God will forget them and God will forgive them and God will cleanse you and your sins will be remitted in verse 18. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. There is no need for another offering because his blood was Shed once and for all, for all men, for all women, all people, all sin. Hallelujah. Your sins have been remitted. Hallelujah. And we call that absolute remission. It's not coming again. Not coming up again. Thank you, Jesus. So he says, there's no more need for an offering for sin. Why? Because Jesus' blood has done it all, once and for all, for all men, all people, and all time and eternity. Having, therefore, brethren, verse 19, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We now have, because our sins have been washed and cleansed, we have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Holiest was a place where the high priest went. On the behalf of the people, the Holy of Holies. They went into the Holy of Holies, the holiest place where the mercy seat was there. But thank God Jesus went into the holiest place for you and for me. And now you and I can go there too because of the blood of Jesus. Because our sins have been remitted, our sins have been washed away, our sins have been forgiven, our sins have been forgotten, and God says you can access the presence of God. Having, therefore, friend, uh, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Enter or access the presence of God. So when you access the holiest of all, a holy place, and you're actually accessing God's very own presence. Wow, that's an amazing place. I would say touch your neighbor, but you can't touch them all. It's okay to touch your family. Thank you, Jesus. That's an amazing place that we actually can go into the presence of God without a sense of sin, guilt, and condemnation, inferiority. We need to agree with God. Consider Jesus regarding this. Consider the fact that Jesus has made this place open for you and for me. And we can get into the presence of God. Because that's where your confidence is to pray. You can walk right into the presence of God. You can know that God hears you. His eyes are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. 
and you know that God hears, and He not only hears, He said, call unto me, and I'll answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things. In other words, what seems impossible, God says it is possible, and God can turn any captivity, any situation, any circumstance, any devilish attack, anything the devil has tried to do to destroy your life. We need to be very clear. The devil came to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly so this is the will of God that you be free that you have life and have it more abundantly it is not the will of God that you die it is not the will of God thank God that my wife is alive today hallelujah to Jesus it's not the will of God for her to be broken it is not the will of God for her uh, to not be able to function thank God is the will of God for her to be able to function and she will function 100 percent 100% totally full mobility in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so when you face challenge, you need to know in whom you have believed. You need to have Jesus' promise, God's promise. Consider Jesus in this situation. If you put Jesus and the Word of God and the promises of God in every situation that you face, there's always a way of escape. There's always an answer. There's always hope. There's always a way out of your situation. There's a way through your situation. There's a way to win. There's a way to overcome. Why? Because Jesus has already overcome. Hallelujah. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. Amen? Why does he tell you that? Because I've, I've done it, and I did it on your behalf. And so if I did it for you, and you'll agree with me, then you also can overcome with me. Amen. So we access the presence of God. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us, that is to say, through, through the veil, he has consecrated this way through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. His flesh was torn. The veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom so that you now can access. That represents the presence of God is now open. Anybody can come in. Anybody that will believe on Jesus can access the presence of God, come into the very presence of the Father, come into the holy of all, holiest of all, the holy of holies. You can access the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. And having an high priest over the house of God, now we have this high priest. Not only did he shed his blood, not only was his flesh torn, not only did he suffer, not only did he die, but he was raised again. Hallelujah. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he's in the presence of the Father, and he is your high priest. And he is speaking on your behalf based on his blood, based on his work of redemption, based on his sufferings, based on his being declared righteous, based on his resurrection, based on his ascension, based on his seating, and based on his presenting his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. Jesus is speaking on your behalf. He is advocating with the Father. And I understand that better than I've ever understood it before because I advocated for 
my wife. I advocated for her and, and so that she could get in the proper care. And thank God, I stood against hell. I stood against demons. I stood against people that said she can't, but God said she can. And I kept saying she will. Hallelujah. And she did. Hallelujah. Why? Because I advocated. I would not take no for an answer. No is not in my vocabulary right now. And you have to have the same spirit of faith and advocacy when it comes to believing God and know that, and I understand Jesus better now than I understood him before because I know he's fighting for me. I said, I know that he's fighting for me. He's speaking up for me. He's standing for me. And if God be for you, who can be against you? There's something for you and somebody bigger than you that's on your side. And God is for you and Jesus is for you and the Holy Spirit is for you and the promises of God are for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? You're going to get through. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. So we have a high priest that's advocating for us. He's speaking on your behalf. Thank you, Jesus. And he speaks on your behalf when you can't even speak for yourself. But I would get Pastor Vicki, you know, get her to talk in the Word. When she, she doesn't even remember that season in, in, in her life. But I was getting her to speak the word. And, she was, and the word was coming out of her spirit, even when I didn't coach her. Her mind wasn't working where it needed to go, but her spirit was working. And her mouth was in gear. Hallelujah to Jesus. I said, you get your spirit and your mouth connected and get the word of God that's in your heart, in your mouth. And Jesus, your high priest will start working on your behalf. And you got other people advocating for you. You got other people praying for you. Jesus is listening, I'm telling you. When you got a word of faith in your mouth, Jesus is responding because he's your high priest. And he will speak for you on your behalf when you agree with him. You speak up and declare the word of God. Then Jesus, at the right hand of the Father, based on the blood of Jesus, is going to talk on your behalf, and he's going to talk to the Father. (laughs) Remember those for whom I died. Remember the blood that I shed. Remember the death that I died. Remember what I suffered on their behalf. Oh, Father, hallelujah. You got to do something right now for them. When you say the same thing God says, God is committed to his word. He's as committed to his word as God. He can't deny himself. I said he can't deny himself. So he cannot deny his word and will not. He's a faithful God. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Thank you, Jesus. Now let's go to verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith 
having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. God washes your heart, cleanses your heart. Full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Your conscience is cleansed. And our bodies washed with pure water. Just clean before God. He says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful. You can know that God is faithful. Hallelujah to Jesus. God is faithful. So hold fast to the profession of your faith. When pleading your case before God, you've got to have a bold confidence and assurance that God is faithful, that his promises are good, that God will not let his word fall to the ground, that if he said it, he'll also do it. He'll perform it. He's good to his word. He's faithful to his promise or promises, plural. He is faithful. If you know the faithfulness of God, you are persuaded. You're confident. You are assured. You know that God is going to do what he said he would do. Hallelujah. And you can stand with that assurance. You can stand with that confidence in your heart that God is faithful.